Welcome, boils and ghouls, to the Slash Incast Halloween Virtual Convention. We are Handle Whisker, a horror podcast discussing our love of horror movies and the phobias they emphasize. I am your host, Emily Drunk, and tonight I'm being joined by my co-host, Holly Hooch. And Holly, it's been an interesting yes. year for horror fans. Uh, we've had arguably two of the most polarizing movies of the past dare I say, decade, uh, in consecutive months with James Wan's Malignant, which we'll be talking a little bit about tonight, uh, as well as the continuation of David Gordon Green's Halloween trilogy uh, and the release of Halloween Kills. And on to that, uh, the recent slew of slasher news with the installments for Chucky, Slumber Party Massacre, Scream, uh, and the aforementioned Halloween Kills, I know what you did last summer. It's There's been so much stuff kind of compacted into Spooktober in this small little window that we have Peak here. October and as well. And it's just like, <laughs> I I have not remembered a Spooktober this stacked in such a long time where it's just been, it's been a lot of good news for horror fans, just outright. It's It feels like it's been October for a long time, and I really like that feeling, just nonstop horror. Mm-hmm. Love it. And you say, these movies are so divisive. I'm so ready <laughs> for movies to be the divisive thing we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So I'm very, very happy to be talking about horror today. Absolutely. Uh, so, yes, there has been a lot of stuff going on within the slasher subgenre here recently. Uh, but, you know, there's been another subgenre This year that uh, has seen some much needed love uh, and is also Mm -hmm. home to personally my most anticipated release of the year. So tonight we're talking about the recent Jalo releases and we're going to we're going to set the stage uh, for Edgar Wright's upcoming release of The Last Night in Soho, which is going to be in theaters right around uh, when this is airing at the virtual convention because it comes out at. October 29th, so I cannot wait to see that in theaters. So, I feel like the best place to start, as with anything, is, of course, at the beginning. The beginning, (laughs) yes. So, in the beginning... La ragazza che sapeva troppo. In in the before time, (laughs) right? Uh, (laughs) Jalo had spawned uh, from the late 1920s pulp crime novels... Uh, and they really saw their heyday in the 1970s on the big screen. So basically what you had yes. is, for the films, you had added elements of horror, of madness, uh, more eroticism, which really transformed these crime stories into more of a uh, psychological-type thriller. And a little bit of fetish. Yeah, I mean, a, a, a lot of it, a lot of fetish <laughs> stuff, uh, and you it's know, hot stuff, steamy. <laughs> uh, so compared to like the books, uh, Jalo murders on screen are way more grotesque, usually more artistic. Uh, sometimes, you know, it's psychosexual in nature. Uh, I mean, that's kind of true for some other subgenres as well. Uh, but what in the rest has, of my life, <laughs> yeah. What what has stayed true to the books is the whodunit sort of mystery element uh, of the stories. So that remains intact from the book to the big screen, uh, and you know that's basically the the foundation of Jalo movies. But there, there's more to it than that. Uh, but a lot of it revolves around trying to figure out who the murderer is. So it's it's. Right. It's a genre that 
didn't really translate that well to the American audience. Uh, but I mean, we do have Neo Jolly, uh, which are basically Jolla movies that are made outside of Italy because Jollos are specific to Italy itself. Uh, and and we we have seen a lot of like neo films coming out in recent uh, years. I think probably the most known one might be like the Neon Demon, uh, which dealt more with like the fashion industry, yeah, absolutely. Uh, or even like in Fabric, uh, also dealing with the fashion industry. Funny how how that just keeps popping up in in movies. It was on one of the movies that we were recently talking about in some cases with the stylist, uh, which is also fantastic. Yeah. But I I felt like. You know, there are certain films in this subgenre that really kind of help ease people into discovering what these movies are all about and just have a deeper appreciation for cinema outright. So I figured, you know, let's talk about some of the uh, Jalo movies that stood out to us that really kind of like got us into it or just movies that would be a good transition piece to explore more options. So anything coming to the top of your head, because there, there's a lot to kind of choose from within this genre. So, I mean, like uh, one of the, one of the films that's considered to be one of the, the first ones of this, which the one that I, that I, that I talked about before, which is the girl that knew too much. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a fairly mild sort of introduction to horror in general. I wouldn't, I, so that's the, when you were saying the introductions, I wasn't sure if we wanted to talk about introduction to horror or introduction to giallo. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, whereas this, this movie is black and white. It's um, uh, the, the story is easy to digest. There's not too much grotesque shit going on. Uh, and I actually, I, I really love, uh, I love black and white horror movies. Uh, but honestly, if you really, really want to get that visceral giallo, you really got to go to the seventies, like you were saying, and see that really hyper pigmentation, <laughs> Wait, that's something else. <laughs> Hyper pigmentation, or just uh, uh, those really vibrant colors that were so popular in those movies. Blood that looks like straight up paint because it's so thick, <laughs> and a lot of eye stuff. Just a lot of eye stuff. So, and of course, you know, uh, you, the the typical ones come to mind, like you know, Deep Red and and whatnot. Mm -hmm. How about for you? Well, which ones are some of your favorites? Well, Deep Red is definitely one that I would consider to be like the quintessential Jalo piece. I know Suspiria mm -hmm. probably gets way more love for Dario Argento or just even genre specific. Uh, but with Deep Red, you just have more twist to it. Uh, you have a very stunning ending more to sense. that movie that puts Deep Red just over the top. And yes, it does make a lot more. It's easier to follow and easier to digest for the general audience. You can uh, be on drugs and you can still understand the movie. <laughs> Unlike Suspiria. I don't know what's going on. But if I were to like hand select one that I feel like is the easiest one to kind of like blur the lines, uh, I would probably favor a Bay, of, uh, Bay of Blood more, which came out in 1971, directed by Mario Ooh. Bava, just because that is more of a slasher than it is a Jalo outright. But, you know, this is a movie that had such a huge inspiration on Friday the 13th, uh, which came out in 1980. So there are a lot of comparisons between the two, uh, just story-wise and even some of the kills in the movie. Uh, but, you know, that's probably the easiest comparison piece that someone can have. So if you like Friday the 13th and if you haven't really checked out a ton oh, of Jalo, Bay of Blood is the one to check out. So I believe it it might even be on Shutter. I'll have to double check on that. But that's that's the go to one for uh, entry level, you know, viewers. I like it. Cases. Nice. 
That's much better than my shit. All right, let's do that. <laughs> so that's why you're watching, everybody. Yeah. Uh, the other one I would recommend came out in 1980, and that is Dress to Kill, which was directed by mm-hmm. uh, Brian De Palma, uh, which is another good, like, jolly film that offers, like, the psychological issues, uh, mostly centered around sexuality. So, like, if you're into more of the psychosexual stuff, Dress to Kill, more up your alley. Uh, it's more of, like, the the voyeurism Jalo <laughs> uh, entry. So, if you're more into that stuff, Dress to Kill is probably going to be the better one out of the lot, but for the general mm-hmm. fan base of Bay of Blood, top of the charts in that regard. But, you know... That's where we kind of that's where we kind of began, but I want to talk about the recent films that we have seen. So, Holly, I know today I want to talk about Last Matinee. I, I know today you just watched the Last Matinee, uh, which was released. I know stateside. It was so amazing. Released stateside a couple of months ago on video on demand, but it came out. Uh, I want to mm-hmm. say it was in Spain in 2020, but it's it's new to the U.S. audience, and I, I have to say, you know, when crazy I, when I came into this movie, all I knew about it was. I saw the poster and I was like, okay, I'm in. This was a blind walk for me. I just knew, I knew it was a Neo Jalo. Oh, that must have been nice. So I was like, okay, I'm going to give this a shot. And I was blown away by it. Because really the only thing I had seen on it were like some snippets here and there from Bloody Disgusting. Because it was like one of the releases uh, with, I think, Dark Skies uh, was who produced Mm -hmm. it. So that's how it got the release here on the state side. And I know they got like a Blu-ray release coming via Arrow to the UK uh, this December, but why don't you go ahead and talk a little bit about this film and your impression on what you got to see displayed on screen? Impressive. So uh, it, one of the biggest things that I liked about it, uh, I mean, there was the gore. The gore was pretty fantastic. It was just uh, it really does everything you want it to do. Mm-hmm. Whenever a scene is set up for you're like, oh, no, oh, no, don't do that. Thing. Oh, he did it. <laughs> that. He, the killer did that no less than like four times where I was like, don't you do that. Don't, oh, he did it. Mm-hmm. But uh, what my, my, my very favorite thing about this movie is um, it's set in a, in a movie theater, of course, last night. And it's a, a, a not very well attended movie. And I think actually the movie that they were watching was hilarious because clearly it was made for the movie. Mm-hmm. It was a baby movie. It was a movie within a movie. And it sucked. But uh, uh, what was really fantastic, so we have uh, all these different groups of people that have come to see the movie. And when I say groups, it's not even multiples. There's one child over here that's snuck in. There's uh, one little old man over here by himself. There is a, uh, a couple on a first date. There is three guns. There's one girl who got stood up. And they do the movie does such a great job about developing these characters in such a short amount of time because you don't have to care about them but essentially it's uh it's like a race to the finish to the finish right like you mm-hmm. you don't know who's gonna make it who's not gonna make it but it, it it gets you invested into each and every character and then you start seeing them drop <laughs> you just start seeing them drop and you're and you're surprised and it's it's astounding because you're like oh i thought they were gonna make it because he was such a nice guy mm-hmm. you know and i <laughs> so that part of it was incredibly fun just very very engaging uh uh, and then, of course, on the on the gory side, you have this relentless, just psycho killer who is just basically unstoppable just because he's a large man. And the people that uh, have the opportunity to stand up to him are all are at a, at a significant physical disadvantage, you know, because he sneaks up on a, on a lot of people. Right. 
but the people that uh, are aware of what's going on there, it's a child, it's teenage girls. And so they really have to use their wits. They really have to run like little rabbits. And it's it's just fantastic. And then when you finally get to confront the killer, he's just insane. I mean, his shtick is just ridiculous. I mean, it's it's not ridiculous. It's ridiculously gory and awful. Right. Where you're like, really? You brought that to a movie theater? Your ice cream scoop? Mm. <laughs> and, uh, not to spoil too too quickly. But uh, yeah, I, I loved it beginning to end. Um, I, I certainly, I, I was surprised at how many people I wanted to survive. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first killer was like, nah, that guy needs to go take him out. Mm-hmm. But everybody else was like, no, stop. <laughs> Which, you know, ap- after, uh, desensitizing yourself so much with so many horror, so much, uh, so much horror, it's, it's kind of fun when you can get that, uh, loving feeling back for yeah, sure. I, yeah, I get Which that. I did. And I loved it. Yeah, this is definitely one that is more, I would say, slasher elements in regards to the story than mm-hmm. uh, actual Jalo, but it still is the Neo Jalo in this case. Uh, but like, Jali, because it's a Spanish. <laughs> uh, and in this case, like as you mentioned, like this film is just taking place in this gorgeous theater on its set in the 1990s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, basically the audience is there because they are attending the last show-in of this horror movie that you mentioned, which is just, like, a really terrible take on Frankenstein. Frankenstein? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, little do they know that, uh, there is a knife-wielding killer beginning to pick them off one by one, and, you know, some of the, some of the kills I really like, you know, they all deal with, uh, practical effects in this movie, mm-hmm. which is a plus for a lot of, you know, horror viewers in this case uh and you know the two that i remember vividly are uh the slit throat smoking kill <laughs> because the guy is smoking gets his throat slit and you just see all the smoke pouring through like the open oh door. yeah fantastic it kind of reminded yes, me absolutely. of like um itchy the killer in regards to the whole like dragon right. smoke because he's got like the slit uh smile which was a, a pretty cool thing to see. Uh, and also you had that uh, first kiss impalement. <laughs> uh, which, yeah. you know, the teenagers are like, the young man, they've, they've been at it for, for a while now. <laughs> <laughs> they've been stuck together for like 10 minutes. Yeah, what, like, what's, what's <laughs> and going they... on here? <laughs> which, you know, if I remember being a teenager correctly, that you can go 10 minutes like that without moving with shitty kissing techniques. <laughs> My favorite kills, uh, well, I can't say kills because they weren't kills so much as like parts. Mm -hmm. So my favorite part was when you, uh, well, no, now that I think about it, I'm pretty basic about it because it's all the the ending stuff where you realize that he's scooping out everybody's eyeballs. And pickling them. And then when he eats and pickling them (laughs) and he mixes it up and then he, he, oh, oh, and then of course when um, he's got to remove his own eyeball, that was pretty great. Because, I mean, it gives you, uh, we've talked a little bit about how much I like getting a little bit of satisfaction in the middle of a movie when uh, when it's, it's it's a scene like that. And you have the the young um, Anna, who's the projectionist just for the day, covering for her dad, uh, who fights back with a, a shard of glass and right in the eyeball. And it doesn't kill him, even though it goes pretty de- deep. Yeah. It just kind of gives him the, the popped out eyeball, which he then has to, like, cut off himself. And then he apparently puts in his mouth. So yeah, there's so many times like, don't, oh! Yeah, it's, it's a cool it. party trick. That's basically what it is. It's a pretty cool party mm-hmm. trick. Although I have to say my favorite part, uh, and yeah, again, so sorry to not be talking about kills. It's just, you've got cylindrical objects, you know what you got to do, right? <laughs> you got to roll them down the stairs. Mm-hmm. And that happens and it's wonderful. And all I could think about was like, that kid is going to need a lot of therapy. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So outside of that, uh, we also had the September release of Malignant directed by James Wan. And I know you haven't had an opportunity to see this. So I'm not. I gonna, tried, man. I'm not. Gonna, I had the money. Yeah. I won't be super. See, I've heavy. literally spent tens of dollars mm-hmm. on this show and in a couple of hours. So mm-hmm. yeah. just so you know, <laughs> I am prepared. <laughs> but no, I was a. Uh, without getting too fancy on my computer and because i'm not at home with my 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 regular stuff i was unable Mm -hmm. to get it and it's no longer on hbo max correct and so it's not on vod yet either unfortunately no Uh, not until the 21st you missed the window uh unfortunately but basically what we have here is james wan's return to horror with a completely different take uh for him anyway in malignant and you know we recently discussed halloween kills uh, and how that was very divisive within the horror community. Malignant was very true in that sense as well, where those two have probably divided the audience more than any other releases in the past 10 years that I can think of off the top of my head, which is crazy. They were back-to-back months, and then it's just like, well, people have already forgotten what came out last month. But that's besides the point. Uh, so you had some people who were raving about it, myself included, uh, but others found the levels of absurdity displayed on the screen to be incredibly stupid in just the way that oh, they did things. All right. So I had peers who, you know, gave it a shot and mm-hmm. were basically like still engaged with it and they were still wanting to watch it primarily just because, hey, it's James Wan. But more times than not, show a little respect. Uh, they were just kind of like left to be bewildered. They're like, well, he did all these really cool things. So this has to be good, too. Right. Dot, dot, dot. Right. And then, you know, they were just confused by what was displayed. Uh, so ah. Malignant ah. is one of those movies that is an experience in its own right. And a mileage varies person to person with this type of movie. You know, it's, it's a hard movie to mm-hmm. tackle because... Mm-hmm. Any sort of comparison that I would make to this movie would ruin a major part of the actual movie in the third act. So I can't really say what it reminds me of because of that very thing. So all I will say to you, Holly, is that going in, whenever you do have an opportunity to view this, expect an ungodly level of camp and cheese that you've never seen from a James Wan feature. So that's how I like my movies. That's how I like my burrito. (laughs) Yeah, what you have in Malignant is a movie chock full of these 90s tropes of the genre, uh, which, you know, I I think is another thing that could help ease people into actually viewing it. But, you know, it's just how 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 much are you willing to actually accept? Because things do get pretty wonky and batshit crazy. And, you know, that's why it has been so divisive. Uh, But I had a really good time with it. I thought it was an absolute blast. But, you know, it's one of those movies that I I understand the viewpoints of people not liking it because it Mm -hmm. is very absurd in its own right. And when you compare it to the other filmography that James Wan has done, it's just like it's a complete detour that just feels so far out of left field. You're like, wait, James Wan made this movie? (laughs) Well, I'm I'm not above uh, not not above, but uh, I. I like I like my movies kind of messy. I mean, I know we just I kind of I kind of took a dig at Suspiria because it's kind of hard to follow. But I'm a fan of Nightbreed and Society, and those are batshit crazy movies. So I'm excited to see this. Yeah, I know something. I, you know what I'm going to be doing on the 21st? Yeah, watch which it. is tomorrow. It comes out tomorrow. Or you know, 
as of when this airs, like a week and a half ago, but that's besides the point. Uh, but, you know, it it's one of the interesting things about this is, you know, James Wan envisioned this as uh, Jalo, but it doesn't necessarily have all of those elements. Like, you do have, like, the, you know, the leather gloves, you have the mystery mm-hmm. behind the killer, you have very grotesque kills and over-the-top uh, cheese aspects as well. Uh, but there's not as much mystery behind the killer itself compared to the traditional who done it. Uh, but outside of that, right. everything kind of falls okay. where you would kind of expect it for the subgenre. So I definitely recommend it. And uh, you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. I don't think there's going to be a middle ground. <laughs> but, well, you know, I'm excited to find out. You, you enjoy a lot, a lot, a lot more of, uh, you know, just variety. So I'm assuming it's going to be right up your alley. <laughs> oh, that's exciting. I can I'm just so happy with all the different... All the, all the movies, all the content coming out. It's just, um, it's definitely a horror lover's paradise these days. Mm-hmm. I dig it. So many streaming uh, uh, services too. So uh, I'm really <laughs> blown away by like how many uh, different places we can go ahead and view uh, horror movies for free. So, and then uh, it doesn't matter though. I still pay money for some mm-hmm. of them. Like, shit, four dollars. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm wow. That's just, that's just a drink at a bar. Let's just do this. <laughs> I, I remember reading it earlier today. Uh, and as a recording this, you know, this is, a week and a half before the convention, uh, that Bloody Disgusting had partnered with Screambox, which is another horror Ooh, uh, streaming service. Screambox. So, looks like they're. I'll be getting Screambox soon. I think Bloody Disgusting <laughs> is actually like taking it over. So hopefully their catalog is going to improve because nice. I, I remember I remember watching it in the past or doing a trial wasn't too impressed when you compared it to like Shutter. So hopefully with this, uh, you know, joint effort, things are going to improve. Just. That was a great bar. setup, and that was accidental. <laughs> Screenbox. Yeah. I'll be getting it soon. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully we get to see some improvements on their end, just to have, you know, another option uh, out there, because, you know, we do just have the go-tos with, you know, Shudder. I mean, Netflix does have genre pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them are, you know, kind of like directed DVD themes, much like you would expect uh, for, like, Hulu. Hulu has a lot of those as well. And you also have... Uh, stream insights that have more like grindhouse type stuff and more schlocky films uh like midnight there's some i just saw some random ones on um a roku tv that i have it was something Mm -hmm. called like fossum and there was another one too i was like holy crap no shit so um i was just impressed about you know the the number of choices that i had so good stuff it's a good october this year absolutely and uh, hopefully next year is going to deliver just as much but you know, speaking of October, you know, we cannot talk about, you know, this year's releases without talking about the upcoming release of Last Night in Soho, directed Ooh. by Edgar Wright. So, you know, Edgar Wright returned into the horror genre uh, after he did, you know, Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead. He also made Baby Driver, which is honestly like a top five film of any genre yeah. for me, which is fantastic. That dude does not know how to fail. Good job. <laughs> I love all of his movies. Hit after hit. Which is great to see. So I'm really excited. So what we have here uh, is Last Night in Soho follows a young woman who has a passion for fashion design. You know, funny enough, a lot of these films are going straight to the fashion industry. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, she has this strange sixth sense uh, where she finds herself transported to 1966 London in the body of a nightclub singer of uh, of the 60s named Sandy. Uh, so while she's in Sandy's body, uh, she begins a romantic relationship, but begins to realize 
uh, that Sandy's life isn't as glamorous as uh, it, mm. it looks to be, uh, and both past and present begin to fall apart with horrifying consequences. So, I'm sure you've seen this advertised in theaters or online, and a lot of the promo work has revolved around the 1964 classic uh, from uh, Petula Clark, uh, Downtown, uh, which is like mm -hmm. the centerpiece for the promotional uh, stuff here. And you have Taylor Joy's version offering a more, you know, moody take to uh, the song, sure. which has like the orchestral back and behind it. And I know they just released the, uh, the music video for it earlier today, as a matter of fact, I was watching it. Uh, and, you know, what I love about this is the casting of this movie. And, you know, for Edgar Wright, it just seems so perfect because this is a director who had lived in London for 27 years. Uh, and most of that time was spent in Soho rather than other places that he had lived. So it's, it's this Neat. of a comfort uh, area for him. So he wanted to make sure not only did he have the present time perfect for his surroundings, but he also wanted to capture that 1960s aesthetic also in the same area. So I, I'm really looking forward to this. And, you know, Taylor Joy has... She's so hot right now. She's been in so many things, right? Like, you know, obviously... The, the witch! The witch is the first thing that was the catalyst. That was the spark that mm -hmm. lit the flame. And then we had uh, Morgan, which she was the main character in. Uh, she was in Split, also the sequel for Glass. Uh, she was prominent in The New Mutants. Granted, that was an absolutely trash movie, besides the point. Uh, but she was also in The Queen's Gambit. <laughs> so she's done... Movies, mm -hmm. she's done TV, but like, you talk about a strain of work. Like, I can't remember yeah, someone blowing up this quick and just being so prominently featured uh, in her shoes. So she really feels like almost a modern day screen queen in her own right. She really does. And, and good for her. You know, we, we have a couple of those coming up. Uh, uh, we reviewed recently the guests. And can you remind me that actress's name? Oh, I don't have it on hand. I mean, I'll pull up IMDb. But she was the one who was in It Follows. Exactly. She's really wonderful. Like It's just exciting to see all these uh, awesome actors uh, getting a chance to really shine and uh, giving us a chance to fall in love with them every time. Mm -hmm. It was uh, Mika Monroe. Oh, there you go. I was never going to remember that. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got, T. <laughs> yeah, I got that. Uh, so... Okay, so outside of this, um, you know, obviously, like, The Witch was the thing that gravitated right towards, uh, you know, Taylor Joy and just fell in love with her when it premiered in Sundance back in 2015. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, we, we've seen her rise to prominence. And, you know, one of the things that I'm interested about is just, you know, the story that this is telling, because a lot of it in, you know, Wright's own words is, you know, a lot of people kind of, like, glamorize the past, you know? But they only mm -hmm. remember, like, the good things about it. You know, they kind of just shy like away from all of the... Yes, like the fashion or uh, the, the hairstyle. The impression. <laughs> <laughs> or the music at the time or the movies. You know, you can go on and on about multiple different facets of life in this case. Uh, but, you know, this is basically going to be a cautionary tale uh, of those who are, like, overly nostalgic about the past. Uh, because, like, there really has been no perfect decade where, you know, everything was good and then nothing was bad. That doesn't exist. <laughs> it does not. It's just like, oh, I'm just really into old money, as it turns out. 
<laughs> so I'm looking forward to this because I think it's gonna it's gonna speak to me. Mm-hmm. I'm glad. I'm excited. So yeah, I'm I'm very curious to see if this is gonna be more of the slasher approach to Jalo or if it's gonna be straight Jalo. But either way. Everything mm. I've seen about this movie, and I've really liked promotional work that they've done because when the first trailer came out, they did it from uh, the fashion designer's perspective. And then on the next one, they did the opposite, where they were focusing more on the uh, the singer. So we, we kind of got two different views of the movie already, and then we get to see mm. them both merge uh, when the movie comes out theatrically. So... I'm looking forward to it. I know a lot of other people are as well. But, you know, when people were talking like their most hyped movie for 2021, I know a lot of people were like, Halloween kills. I can't wait to see the continuation. And, you know, some, ah, pe- some people that turn out? <laughs> definitely regretted that. But for me, you know, Edgar Wright's track record, just the fact that I love this subgenre so much. And it's not one that gets featured all that much on the state side. So knowing that he's behind it gives me a lot of faith. And Taylor Joy's always fantastic to watch on the screen and she is she's fantastic like that 60s uh look so perfectly so it's like a match she really does <laughs> agreed yep i can't wait and i love jalo and jali fantastic <laughs> yeah so i really hope this is a subgenre that continues to blow up yes like all of this stuff they didn't hit like back to back to back like we have seen with the recent uh slasher resurgence uh, and hopefully, you know, that's going to continue to pick up, you know, some steam as well. But I like when we have these snippets here and there where we have these pockets of certain subgenres really exploding and flourishing. Uh, because, you know, it's it's a good reminder of what else is out there within the genre. Because not all of these get the heavy focus because not a lot of them are really released in the West. Right. Because so much of it is just based in Europe in this case. So I'm looking forward to this. Hopefully it lives up to my expectations and we don't have another Halloween Kills on our hands. Uh, But I don't think that's going to be the case uh, for this one in particular. And I'm in a good mood this month. I think, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm going to see it uh, in the best possible (laughs) frame of mind. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm ready to love is what I'm trying to say. I'm ready to love again. Absolutely. Uh, so with that being said, Holly, I think we wrap things up for tonight. Uh, so for everyone yeah, watching. Yeah, I got to go. My cat's really upset. <laughs> yeah, the cat's going to probably like claw the, the earphones out again like they tried to do earlier. Uh, <laughs> uh, but stay tuned for the rest of the Slashing Cast Network virtual Halloween convention. Uh, we have been handled with Scare. We have new episodes on Podcatchers every Thursday. Uh, Usually we focus on a specific phobia each month, and then we do four films or five, depending on how many weeks there are, uh, for each, you know, different phobia. Uh, And you can find us online, uh, both on Instagram at HandleWithScarePod, we're on Twitter at HandleWithScare, and you can visit our website on at the HandleWithScarePod.com. But for now, thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you guys next time.